The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 154 of the Sample Chapter Podcast. Today is Tuesday, December 1st, so November is over. NaNoWriMo is done. I hope you did really well. But because it's Tuesday, it is time for a new author with a new sample chapter here on the Sample Chapter Podcast. And this week is a very special one as we have speculative fiction author Carrie Harris. Carrie was so much fun to talk to, and oh my gosh, you're going to hear us discussing topics like uh, what led her into writing, writing for yourself, her first book, Inspiration, (laughs) how having a bunch of odd jobs can help inform uh, your writing, and uh, we're going to hear about her connection with mad cow disease, which is really interesting, as well as why she no longer sells knives for a living. But all of that pales in comparison to her book today that she's going to be discussing, which is Liberty and Justice for All. It's her debut novel with Marvel Comics. Yes, that Marvel Comics. Excelsior, everyone. It's an exciting conversation and one I cannot wait to get us over to. So stay tuned for that. It's coming up here in just a moment. Well, like I said, it's no longer November. It is now December. Thanksgiving is done. I hope your Thanksgiving was was good. I I had a really good time. Uh, took a break from really really from everything, just to kind of recharge the batteries a bit. I I really I didn't realize just how stressed I'd been throughout October and November so far. I, I know I sound cool and collected right now, but that's not how I really was on the inside, and that's what matters. Okay, okay, never mind. Ah, uh, this is not uh, this is not. Let's take a moment with Jason. Time no. No, I just, uh, you know, I, I needed a little bit of a break. I did do some writing. I did continue editing on a novel idea. Not as much as I had hoped to do, because, yeah, I ended up just kind of taking a break that was much, much needed. But uh, it was really good, and uh, like I said, Thanksgiving was really good. I hope yours was a uh, was a wonderful time. I hope you got to see family either in person or or through Zoom or Skype or some other social media platform. As for NaNoWriMo, I hope uh, I hope your NaNoWriMo went good. You know, if if you didn't make your goals, that's fine. Just you know, be proud of yourself. Be proud. I didn't make fifty thousand words. I know I didn't. I I came in around. Well, I'm not I'm not quite there yet because I'm recording this a few days ahead. But you know, it looks like I'm gonna be coming in somewhere around maybe fifteen, sixteen thousand for the month, which is not great. It's not what I thought I was gonna be. But I also kind of took a step aside and started doing more edits. But you know, don't forget that what you have done in the month of November is still valuable. It's still good, and it's still more words than what you had previously. So, if you participated in NaNoWriMo and you know you wrote some words, then take a moment, pat yourself on the back. I'm, I know I'm really proud of you. And don't forget our sponsor, Scrivener. As much as I want you to go in there and use our coupon code. If you participate in NaNoWriMo, you automatically get that deal. So make sure that you are heading over to Scrivener and look for their uh, their NaNoWriMo deals. 
if you did reach your 50,000 words and you have already done the process of what you have to do to to confirm your winning streak and you wanted to get Scrivener, then check out their special deal that they're doing. I believe it's like half off. I, I believe it's it's half off your uh, your order for Scrivener. So, but you know, but nonetheless, if you don't, if you didn't do Nanorama this month, if you didn't participate in that, that's okay. You can still use coupon code Chapter and save yourself twenty percent on the regular desktop version. Hey, check out this ad for them and hear all about some of the things that they have to offer. Jason here. Hey, I wanted to take a moment and tell you about my favorite writing tool, Scrivener. Now, I know you've heard about Scrivener because their writing software has been embraced by hundreds of thousands of other writers like you and I, from the novice to best-selling novelists. The reason we all use it is because of Scrivener's core concept to bring all the writing tools you use together in a single application. And with tools like automatic backup, character maps, project goals, and let's not forget that amazing corkboard, you can see why I use Scrivener every day. As a bonus for Sample Chapter Podcast listeners, use code CHAPTER for 20% off your desktop version. Scrivener writing software, built by writers for writers. All right, thank you so much to Scrivener writing software. Uh, like I said, I use it every day and I use it with my editing. You know, as I was uh, alluding to before the ad, I, I had done a lot of editing on my break. I'm on my last uh, two or three chapters. I think it's, uh, I think I've, yeah, I'm on, I'm on a third chapter. Ugh, how do you say it? I have two more chapters after this chapter <laughs> to finish editing. And I'm literally going line by line, making sure that I'm saying what I want to say. So, uh, so it is take a bit more, a bit longer than I thought, but hopefully here very, 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 very soon. I'm going to have an announcement for a pre-order, and uh, I will make sure that you are the first to know. So stay tuned. I, I also want to take a moment and thank our podcast networks that we are happily uh, a part of, starting with Pop Goes the Culture Network, home to about a dozen other shows, shows like Two Dads Review or The Amazing Nerd Show, which, I mean, you know, if you listen to that, you already... You get the idea. Uh, Pop Goes the Culture Network, and you got shows like that, Two Days Review, and Amazing Nerd Show, just to name a couple. So you know that the whole network is, just like the title says, pop culture related. It's a lot of fun. There's there's tons of great shows, including their flagship show, Pop Goes the Culture Podcast, which, although they are on a slight hiatus right now through the holidays, taking a break, doing some other things, Joey Mills, the host there, he has been doing some interviews, which is actually how I came into contact with today's guest, Carrie Harris. And uh, she was a guest on Pop Goes the Culture back on November 2nd, so I invite you to go back and check that out. It was a lot of fun. I also want to thank our other podcast network, Project Entertainment Network, Home 236. Yes, I finally counted. <laughs> Again, 36 different shows on the network, and it's a wide variety of shows. Oh my gosh, there is writing, there's monsters, there's horror, there's uh, faith-based, there's sports, just all kinds of stuff in the network. Whatever you have a taste for, it's there. So how about you check out this episode for that wild and wacky show, Bizong. It's Bizong, the weird and wacky fiction podcast. 
with me, your host, Mr. Frank. Every Monday, we're talking to everyone who's anyone writing weird and wacky fiction. So if you enjoy reading funny and strange books, or you enjoy writing funny and strange books, join us on Bazong each week to learn along with Mr. Frank. Bazong every Monday, a part of the Project Entertainment Network. Oh my gosh, that Mr. Frank, he is he is really something. And he's also been a guest on the show with his wacky fiction. He's been here twice. So check out that show and uh, all the other amazing shows on the Project Entertainment Network. Hey, uh, don't forget to follow all of our networks and sponsors and this show as well on social media. We're all there on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to reach out to the show, you can do so via email at samplechapterpodcast at gmail.com. I, I did reach out to some of you. Uh, I'm still, I've, I've got a list of emails for people who've uh, reached out to me in the past month, and I'm slowly working my way through those. So if you haven't heard from me yet, you're about to. But if you'd like to reach out to the show, then do so through email at, again, samplechapterpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, or you can leave me a voicemail by calling 660 660- Eight five one 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 four six. All right. Hey, without further ado, let's get on over to our interview with speculative fiction author and now Marvel alumni, Carrie Harris. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Sample Chapter Podcast. This week, we are sitting down with Carrie Harris. Carrie writes speculative fiction, such as fantasy, sci-fi, horror, and pulp. Although she bounces around from genre to genre and between age ranges, when you pick up one of her books, you can expect lots of fast-paced action, humor, and weird creatures galore. I heard her recently on the Pop Goes the Culture podcast of uh, November 2nd, so make sure you go back and check that out. But I'm so happy to have her here today. Carrie, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. It's my pleasure, and I'm so thrilled to have you here. How are you doing? Are you you keeping healthy and doing well? Uh, yeah, yeah, keeping relatively sane. I haven't named anyone yet, so uh, <laughs> I'd call that a win. Yeah, it's always a win, yes. Right? Day by day. <laughs> right. Well, I, I know uh, going back through your, your bio, I was reading a little bit about your history and all, and uh, one of the things we have in common is a... Uh, a long collection of weird jobs. Yes. And I've come to learn that uh, to be a, a good writer, not that I'm saying that I am, uh, but uh, I think to be a good writer, you do need to have a, that collection. Tell us a little bit about your past jobs. Yeah. Um, you know, I uh, I sold knives for a while. That ended when I cut the tip of my finger off. <laughs> um, they did not buy. <laughs> surprisingly, because oh, I really yeah. did demonstrate how sharp they were. Right. Um, but uh, probably my weirdest job, I, I coordinated autopsies for a long time. And then I was the um, uh, the manager of the National Research and Surveillance Center for Mad Cow Disease. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So, um, my husband called me the mad cow, but he's the only one who can get away with that. Uh, but, but I, I traveled around the world presenting on, um, pre-owned diseases 
and we had a lab with brains in jars on the counter, which is awesome. <laughs> Um, and so that was, that was probably my weirdest job. Um, we worked with the CDC and, and so a lot of this epidemiology COVID stuff that's coming out, every time it comes up, I have to be like, I worked with them. Oh gosh. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but you know, after, uh, after my kids were born, we decided that I would give this writer thing a try. Um, I'd been working in the tabletop game industry. And oh. I was, uh, um, I was an executive for a small indie game company and, uh, did some game design and writing myself. And, uh, we decided I would do that and I would give this novel writing thing a try. And if I sold something before all the kids went to school full time, I wouldn't go back to work. And I didn't go back to work. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a great story. Yeah, I I really can't believe my luck. You know, some of it is, as I'm sure you know, a lot of it is just being so gosh darn stubborn you won't quit. But Mm -hmm. you have to hit the right place at the right time. Yeah, yeah, and I think you got to have that right mindset too, because I I had a like a five year period where uh, I was the stay at home dad. Yeah. And, and I was watching our kids uh, when they were babies up until going to school. And I was taking writing lessons and doing all this stuff and thinking like, oh, yeah, I'm going to kick it off. But this is also prior to the invention of the Kindle, um, early 2000s, so like like 2000 to like 2004, that time frame. And so I, I have a lot of rejection letters and uh, had a good time writing for some websites, but uh, no real paying jobs. And then once they went back to school, I thought, well, all right, maybe I, maybe I, I shot my shot and missed. So maybe I'll just go back to work. But man, I always wanted to get back into writing. I'm so happy I finally did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you really have to carve out the time somehow. And like you said, you have that mindset that this is something you're going to do somehow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So now, did uh, having some of those weird jobs, do they come back and inform any of your writing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, my first book was uh, um, Zombie Horror Comedy. Oh, and... Bad Taste in Boys. Yep, yep. Um, <laughs> and uh, the zombies in that book are, are based on prion diseases mm-hmm. that I worked with. Uh, but actually, they had me take a lot of the science out of it because I found it fascinating and just went on and on and on. <laughs> but apparently, that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to have somebody who's uh, who has our back and can say, yeah, this is interesting, but you got to cut it off right here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you have Sometimes you have to kill your darlings, no matter how much it hurts. <laughs> So now, uh, so this was Bad Taste in Boys, like you said, this is your Buffy the Vampire Slayer-esque kind of thing with a zombie assassin. Fantastic premise. Now, how how did this come about? Well, um, you know, I like I said, I, I took some time off and decided I would try to write. Um, I started out by writing a superhero book, which got me an agent but didn't sell. Mm. And I, I just thought, well, well, that was on submission. I would write something for me. 
Um, you know, so it's got a science nerd who's who's the hero, who you would not expect to be a hero. It's got zombies and and body parts falling off. One zombie actually gives her the middle finger. <laughs> and that is my sense of humor right there. Um, so I, I just wrote it for fun. Um, but uh, my agent took a look at it and sent it out to some of the people who had liked the superheroes. But, you know, it came just this close, but, but didn't quite get over the hump. And one of them bought it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did some writing. That was a um, young adult book. So I did some writing for teens for a few years and, and branched out. I, I'm one of those people who kind of likes to switch it up um, to keep to keep interested. So I write for a variety of different age groups and, and a variety of genres. So there are some things that you can expect from book to book, but um, I don't like to do the same thing over and over again. Yeah, and, and I, I, I agree with you. I think that, that it does keep things fresh. Uh, do you write them at the same time? Or do, you, or do you just, like, focus on one at a time? I usually try not to draft more than one book at a time. But sometimes I'll be drafting one and working on edits for another. Um, I I don't know. Can you draft two at once? I, my brain would explode. Uh, I You know, I think uh, – I don't think I could do that because same thing. I My – creative mind uh, that's like in the mornings is when i feel the most creative that's when i'll work on something new and then later in the day when i'm a little worn down and i'm kind of like tired that's when i edit because then i can like really tear into myself and i can i can work on a different book then and, and go what the hell was i thinking of here this sucks what the, what is this and get yep. rid of that and <laughs> cut it out <laughs> yep i've been there <laughs> so yeah pretty pretty close to the same thing it sounds like <laughs> yeah well, yeah, I mean, your your next venture was the Sally Slick and the Steel Syndicate, part of your Young Centurions book. Uh, wh- what is this series? Uh, so that series is uh, tween-friendly, although hopefully um, anybody uh, older can also pick it up and enjoy it. But it's uh, Pulp Fiction, and it's tied into a role-playing game. Hmm. So uh, you can read the book. Uh, you know, with your kids, and then you guys can actually play the characters that are in the book. Oh, very cool. And yeah, yeah. I really love that idea that, that the story doesn't have to end when the book is over, and, and you can come up with your own adventures. So, uh, Sally Slick and her friend Jet Black are, um, pulp adventurers, so there's lots of, um, crazy gadgets and and bad guys who dry wash their hands and talking animals and you know all ki- all kinds of crazy stuff <laughs> that's awesome now throughout all the different styles of uh, of writing that you've made and the, the various characters uh, really interesting ones from here to there have you got one that you've kind of identified the most with you know um Kate Grable from Bad Taste in Boys and that whole series was me in high school. Um, I just stuck myself in there. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wasn't very subtle about it either. Um, (laughs) I figured since it's campy um, horror, 
I could, you know, none of it is realistic anyway, so I might as well just do it. Um, as for me, older, um, you know, I actually have a book that's, that's kind of making the rounds to be sold right now that is, that is more who I am now. And I've lately, I've been writing about a lot of middle-aged women who get kind of sick of the humdrum daily life and go kill things. <laughs> um, so <laughs> don't tell my wife about that, <laughs> <laughs> which may say something about my state of mind. Uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think out of the ones that are on the shelves right now, probably Kate is the closest to me. That's cool. Yeah. You know, you, I see the, the common theme throughout, like, you were talking about trying to write the heroes at the beginning and it was, you were having a hard time sticking it. But then when you started writing for yourself and just kind of letting go, writing what you're interested in, that's when it seemed to really come out. And I see that it looks like you have stuck with that, um, that motto of writing for yourself throughout. Cause there are some wildly interesting books in your collection. <laughs> Well, thank you. Um, but yeah, you know, I think, I think when you're starting out as a writer, you, you want to, you want to sell something. You want to, you want to make it. And, um, I found that trying to chase the trends just ended up, you know, it didn't ring true. It didn't read true for me. And, um, once I finally started doing things that I really love, you know, that comes through. And I was just lucky to be able to, to do a variety of things that I love. And then when licensed material did come along, like the X-Men, it was something I was already a super fan for. So I was able to do it because I loved it. Oh gosh. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, and that's, that's exciting. And I'm, I'm so happy you brought that up. Let's just jump into that. So, <laughs> all right. How, do you do you go from writing what you love and and just whatever comes to mind like dinosaurs or vampires or whatever to all of a yeah. sudden hey marvel uh let me write this for you and they say yes how does this happen blind luck <laughs> <laughs> um well you know i i think part of part of what made them say yes was that I had developed my skills. I had shown that I can do a variety of things and, and do them at least passably well. Um, and shown that I could do similar things. Hmm. And, you know, my advice to people who are looking to break in is to say yes to things. You know, the Sally Slick books and, and there are a few others that I've done we're all tie-ins, so they built off of something that already existed. So that when there was the opportunity to pitch for Marvel, I could say, look, I know what I need to do to take characters that already exist and build a story that fits in with this existing complex storyline. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, so they gave me a chance. That's awesome. Now, how did you... How did you hear about this? I mean, surely you must have like friends and and Marvel who was like, "Hey, Carrie, I got something for you here," something like that, right? 
<laughs> kind of. Um, actually, I got to it through gaming. Um, wow. The, the company that's that's putting together the books um, and publishing them in partnership with Marvel is called Aconite. And they're fabulous, fabulous people. And they started out putting out a call for writers to write novels based on games, hmm. which I do. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I talked to them and I, I submitted some of my old stuff and they said, yes, we'd like you to write for us. And it was maybe a week later that they announced that they had put together a partnership with Marvel. Oh. And, um, I remember writing to them and saying, I don't care what I have to do. I will dress up in cosplay, swim to England and show up <laughs> on your doorstep. <laughs> If that's what I have to do to get to pitch for this. Uh, luckily, they did not make me do that. <laughs> um, but I would have. I, I really mean it. Oh, my uh, gosh. Yeah, so I submitted a few pitches. Uh, they picked what they liked. I really wanted to do X-Men because that was my first superhero love. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in high school, I used to watch the X-Men cartoon. Oh, yeah. And I knew that, you know, out of all the different lines that they had, that was what I wanted to do. Oh, gosh. And they said yes, and I cried. <laughs> yeah. I I totally get you there. That would be, oh, my gosh. I just couldn't imagine to just reach that, uh, well, I wouldn't, I won't say a pinnacle, but it's certainly a, uh, a life goal that yeah. you seem to have had for some time. Yeah. Yeah, it was one of those things that you kind of you kind of think, oh, I would really love to do this someday, but I'm not going to get my hopes up too high because that doesn't happen, you know. Right. Um, the stars likely aren't going to align, but when they did, I had put the work in that that they were willing to give me a look. You know it. Along those lines, I think it was extremely brave that you you took that leap. You you kept that faith in yourself, and and you had the courage to say, "I'm going to go for this. I'm going to try it." And and doggone it, Marvel, you need to listen to what I'm saying because I can do this. Whereas a lot of people are going to do like what you were saying. They're going to hesitate and think, "Well, they'll never like what I've got." You know, we're I mean, we're writers. We have a tendency to yeah. go, "Oh no, we, we we're I'm not right for that." Well, and I have those moments too, but, um, you know, because I wrote for a long time for younger readers, I would go into classrooms and talk. And one of the things that I did was I taped together all of my rejection letters mm-hmm. and asked them to guess how long they would be. They go around an entire classroom. <laughs> uh, it's pretty sad. Of course, I redacted them, but, um, you know, and I let the kids read bits and pieces of what people said to me. And there are a lot of no's, but I kept telling the kids it only takes one yes, so you gotta try. Mm-hmm. And what good am I if I don't take my own advice? Absolutely. So, oh um, I I'll pitch anything. <clears throat> the worst thing that's gonna happen is they're gonna tell me no. Yeah, absolutely, and and that's yeah. a and that's a great way to uh, to live and and to be an example to your kids. Well, I mean, I, I kind of hope for you, for it. You've got to be, 
I think you've got to be intelligent about how you approach it. Um, I was lucky in that I could devote the time to it for a few years until I could start making a little bit of cash. But, but you know, you, if you really want it, you find a way. There you go. That, that's yeah. a very X-Men heroine thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they rubbed up off on me a little. I don't know. <laughs> so tell us about Liberty and Justice for All. What is the story? Well, um, with Liberty and Justice and with all of the Xavier's Institute books, so this is the first in a series. Each book will stand alone, and they'll be written by a variety of authors, but they'll all be focused on um, some of the younger and lesser-known X-Men. Okay. And uh, looking at them as they're just coming into their powers. Um, it's it's built around the idea that these are our first times for things. So in Liberty and Justice for All, um, Triage and Tempest, who are our two younger mutants, are at uh, at the Xavier School and they're... Uh, taking their first flight on the X-Copter. Hmm. Only things go wrong. They get an uh, SOS call from a mutant they do not expect to hear from, and everything goes sideways from there. And um, I really liked the idea of getting to write characters that that people might not necessarily know unless they're diehard comic fans. Mm-hmm. But also pairing them with characters that even if you've only seen an X-Men movie or two, you're going to know who they are. Ah, okay. So that it's accessible to people who are new to the universe and uh, still has plenty of Easter eggs for people who binge the comics um, like me. Oh, wow. Now, how much, um, how much freedom did you get to to play with the characters? They let me do um, quite a bit. Of course, I picked characters who um, triage has very little background at all. Mm. Um, so there was a lot of room to work. Tempest has a bit more, but I picked a time in the storyline that had not been fleshed out for her uh, barely at all. So they do... Um, they do exist in the comics during this time period, but there's a lot of space. And so that was part of the reason why I picked now, you know, um, because I could do some things without messing with continuity mm-hmm. uh, in a, in a really painful way. Okay. All right. Yeah. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest here. It's been, it's been a minute since I uh, purchased my last comic. Sure. Um, I'm I'm a grandpa now, so I'm trying to use that as an excuse to go get some more. So far, it hasn't worked with grandma, but um, <clears throat> but we'll we'll see. Maybe down the road as they get a little bit older. But uh, I think my last one was a Serenity graphic novel. I, I uh-huh. picked up some, but that's been you know 12, 15 years ago. So, can you give us uh, some information for those of us who may not know who these characters are? Uh, tell us who they are and and what their maybe some of their abilities. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Triage, uh, his name is Christopher Muse, and he's, uh, they're both college-ish age right now. 
Um, he is kind of a steampunky. He wears steampunk goggles for fun. Um, he, he dresses in a suit every day. Um, and I write about how his, his mom tells him that this is what you need to do because you're a, you're a young black boy and I want you to be dressed up so that people will see you and respect you. Hmm. Um, he, uh, he's a healer. And one of the reasons that I picked him was because, uh, anytime I play a video game or a role playing game, I play the healer or the cleric or whatever similar thing there is. Hmm. And we don't get enough respect. Darn it. <laughs> so uh, I wanted to write a book in which the healer who has fairly quiet skills, they're not flashy, um, but he gets to be a hero. Okay. And then uh, Tempest, her name is Ava Bell. She's Australian. Uh, she grew up idolizing Captain America and wanting to be just like him. And then it turns out... Uh, when she's a teenager, she discovers she's a mutant instead, and she can freeze things in time bubbles. Oh. So it's this small area of frozen time. Now, later on in the series, uh, she, she develops additional skills that she can, things that she can do with time. But at this point, it's bubbles. And, hmm. uh, I, Again, I liked the idea that, that one of the characters who, you know, she's not super strong or super fast. She doesn't call down lightning. She doesn't have adamantium claws, but she, uh, she has this really interesting power that you can, uh, those things that you set up that are kind of like a mousetrap, the mousetrap game where oh. one thing makes another thing happen. Yeah. The Rube Goldberg. There we go. Thank you. Um, so, so you can kind of, if you freeze something at just the right moment, you can kind of create a Goldberg situation where I freeze this and then I wait till this happens and then I freeze that and then I wait till that happens and, and you can actually use it to fight bad guys if you plan it well enough. I like that. Yeah. Wow. That's such a unique power. I think so too, and I think, you know, when I when I sat down to do this, I thought, what can I do with the with a prose novel and the X Men that you can't do as well with a comic in the X Men because hmm. comics are visual, right? And so when you see the planning that goes into something like that, I think it works in prose in a way that it wouldn't necessarily work in a comic yeah so that's why i picked it and you know f- forgive me if i'm if i'm new to this but uh the the novels are new for marvel right is this, this series something? yeah this series and all of the aconite series they have they have the um xavier's institute they have marvel heroines Marvel Untold, which is like villains and um, magic users and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then Asgard. So all of those are new lines. Uh, wow. There have been uh, X-Men novels and Marvel novels in the past. Um, and, and they're still coming out with 
with others that, that are really spectacular. Um, most of them, though, are, are completely standalone. This is, at least as far as I know, currently might be the only uh, lines of novels where you can read multiple sets in the same line. Okay. Wow. How... I'm not 100% <laughs> sure about that, but I'm pretty sure. <laughs> how how long is your run? Is it is it is this just the one one and done or do you get to do more? Well, uh the way that they do it is you do uh one and done because they're all standalone. Mhm. But um I hope you'll be seeing more from me soon. And that is all I'm going to say. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, so, my so gosh. Marvel ninjas will drop down from the ceiling and, and yes, beat me uh, up if I, I say things I'm not allowed to say. Yes, my, my daughter's dog just howled a while ago. I think they heard something outside. They're, they're oh, really? listening in. <laughs> okay, well, I'll make sure we both stay safe then. There you go, yes. <clears throat> no, no, no claws here hidden away. No. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, between, you know, I'm, I'm gonna hope for the best for the future that, uh, you're gonna get back in there again. But at the same time, I'm, I'm anxious for your future books with this, uh, housewife, killer housewife, uh, of the, in the future. Uh, yes. <laughs> do you have, what other things are you working on? Um, you know, I'm working on a lot of pitches right now. I do have one book um, that I believe will be coming out soon called Elder God Dance Squad, which is uh, kind of like Bring It On meets Stranger Things. Okay. Um, Lovecraftian creatures crawling up from the deep, and the only people who stand in their way are uh, high school dance squad. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited about that one and, and I'm hoping it'll make it out into the world soon. Oh my gosh, that sounds outstanding. Well, you've got to let us know when these come out so that we can make sure and tell the, the fans of the show that, uh, that your next book is available and, uh, we'll be happy to help, uh, spread the word. That'd be great. Thank you. <laughs> Where can people find and follow you? Um, so my home on the internet is carrieharrisbooks.com. Pretend it's all one word. Um, and, uh, that has all of the information about my books. Um, when I'm avoiding writing, which is probably more often than I should, um, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter and, and I really do like to talk back and forth with my fans. Um, and, uh, on Twitter, I'm carhar, C-A-R-R-H-A-R-R. Yeah, and I can testify to that. That was fantastic. I, like I said, I, I heard you on, on our uh, a friend of the show, Pop Goes the Culture. That's part of the yeah. we're, we're part of that network, and heard you on there with Joey, and got to uh, talk on there, and then you popped on, and it's like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. So that was that was really cool. Yeah, well, I'm so glad you reached out. Yeah, me yeah. too. Me too. This yeah. is exciting. Carrie, thank you so much for coming on the show, and uh, oh my gosh, I can't wait to uh, to hear about this, and then I, I'm gonna have to pick one up for myself because this is this is exciting and definitely bringing back my childhood. My for me, uh, X Men rings back to the days when I had an original uh, Wolverine versus Silver Samurai, and that epic battle, and Rogue oh. was there, and I wish I still had it, but I think I tore out the pages so that I could color them or make you know, my own <laughs> pictures later. I mean, yeah. Yeah, the things that you regret when you're almost 50 and you look back and like, oh, gosh, no. 
Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, anyway. I don't have any of my childhood comics either, and, and it makes me <laughs> very sad. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, time for me to step aside and listen into this sample chapter of Liberty and Justice for All from our guest, Carrie Harris. All right. Uh, I'm going to read you from Chapter 1. Loud screams jolted Christopher Muse out of a deep and dreamless sleep. He jerked upright, his heart pounding with the realization that something new and horrible threatened the students of the new Charles Xavier School. Adrenaline flooded his limbs. As an X-Men trainee, he needed to help, even though he'd much rather hide in some dark corner and let the instructors take care of it. But he couldn't abandon his fellow students when they were screeching like that. He tried to leap out of bed, got tangled in the fuzzy blanket he'd brought here when he moved from his college dorm room, and fell into a disjointed heap on the floor. Fear washed over him as he struggled to orient himself. His limbs were still heavy with sleep, his mind groggy. The overhead lights flicked on, buzzing as they spilled their incandescent light over the small room. Christopher threw his forearm up to shield his eyes, but it did no good. The move had effectively blinded him, leaving him helpless against whomever had chosen to attack them this time. Not for the first time, he questioned his decision to leave college to join the new mutant school. The offer had been a no-brainer at first. The manifestation of his powers had been a bit traumatic, what with getting arrested and all. So when Cyclops and his team showed up to help, he'd accepted gladly. He'd leaped at the chance to join the new school as a member of its inaugural class. If he was going to be completely honest, he'd never been very cool. He was the president of the board game club, favored suits and costume pieces as opposed to normal clothes, and got straight A's without much effort. Joining the X-Men had seemed like his chance to finally belong after years of being the last guy picked for the team. For once... He'd been first, and he'd been proud of that. Now, he'd likely be killed by something he couldn't even see, because little spots danced in front of his eyes, and he couldn't hear it either because of all that infernal screening. Maybe magic had opened up another portal to limbo. The screaming hadn't stopped, and it sounded awfully rhythmic now that he really listened. He flailed around, extricating himself from the blanket, and sat up. But instead of the expected portal to the netherworld, he saw only his roommate, David Bond, also known as Hijack, perched on the edge of his bed, snickering uncontrollably. David had only joined the school a few nights earlier. At first, Christopher had looked forward to having a roommate, despite the tiny space. He'd hoped for someone he could talk to, because sometimes he felt a bit out of his comfort zone. But David wasn't a talk-things-out kind of guy. He was older, maybe mid-twenties, with a neatly trimmed goatee and an impeccable sense of street style. Because he had a few years on the rest of the college-age students, he carried himself with an air of massive superiority on an average day. Now he looked so full of himself that he might burst. Man, I thought you were going to wet yourself, David crowed, rocking back and forth. That was the funniest thing I've seen in ages. What is that awful noise? Christopher demanded. Don't 
insult my music, dude? This is Ashes on the Breeze. It's a screamo band out of Chicago. They'll be the next big thing for sure. By this time next year, there's going to be a screamo category for all the major music awards. I'll bet you on it. Christopher winced. It sounds like someone's killing a small woodland animal. Please turn it down. I think my ears are bleeding. I listen to music every morning. It's bad enough that I had to leave my apartment to live at this dump. There's no reason I shouldn't have to give up my tunes, too. Hey, the school isn't that bad. Christopher lied through his teeth, and they both knew it. He'd seen pictures of the old Xavier Institute, the mansion with its lush green lawn and wood-paneled hallways, the tennis courts, the hangar underneath the basketball hoop where the X-Jet would emerge to take the mutants on their missions. But now, Professor X was gone, and the school had split in two. Wolverine ran the Jean Grey School at the mansion, and Cyclops ran the new Charles Xavier School at this converted military installation. Some of the other students claimed that Wolverine had gotten his adamantium skeleton here. Christopher wasn't sure about that, but someone had definitely done experiments in this building, the kind that weren't exactly on the up-and-up, if you asked him. After spending a little time in the place, he thought Cyclops had gotten the raw end of the deal on the location front. It certainly hadn't been the kind of school he'd expected when he said yes. Mysterious machinery cluttered the corners and filled the unused rooms. The whole place was grungy and dank, with a claustrophobic lack of windows. All the doors had keycard readers, half of which no longer worked. Some of the painted cinder block walls had actual bullet holes in them. He had one over his bed and he stared at it at night. It didn't do much for his dreams. You know, you wouldn't be so grumpy in the morning if you didn't stay up half the night reading, David said. It's not my fault that I can't sleep, Christopher replied defensively. If you don't like that, you can shove it. The moment the words left his mouth, he knew he shouldn't have said them. After all, he and David had to live and work together as a part of a very small team. But the screamo music pounded at his head after only a few hours of rest. And the past few weeks had been so stressful. He spent every day secretly worried he might die, or be hauled off to some other dimension where he might die, or that one of his new friends might die, and he'd be powerless to stop all of these things from happening. Because with every passing day, he started to wonder if he had it in him to be a member of the X-Men. They all had astonishing mutant abilities that made them useful in a fight. Wolverine had his adamantium claws and his healing factor. Storm could summon lightning and fog and wind. Cyclops could cut through steel and rock with his powerful optic blast. He couldn't compete. After all, what could he do? Christopher was a healer. He patched up the real heroes after they killed the bad guys. And nothing more. The pressure had graded on him more and more with each passing day. And now, with David pushing his buttons, he'd snap. Some teammate he was, picking fights with his fellow mutants. At this rate, he'd end up getting kicked out, and then where would he go? couldn't go back to school. He'd probably end up getting arrested again the moment he showed up on campus. 
You think I should shove it, huh? David snapped. Maybe I will. Maybe, just maybe, I'll take that old decommissioned jet out there and shove it right down your throat. What do you think about that? Christopher leaped to his feet and David flew up a second later. The two of them went chest to chest. They were pretty evenly matched in size, although David had a streetwise vibe that suggested he knew how to carry himself in a fight. For a moment, it felt like one was inevitable. Christopher avoided them whenever he could, but he'd been in enough of them that he'd square up if he had to. But then he thought about what Cyclops would say, and about what he would do after he got expelled. He couldn't go back to the university, and he wouldn't go home. He didn't know if his mom would let him in if he did. He had no other options, which meant that no matter how much David angered him, he had to hold on to his temper. Look, he swallowed hard, trying to calm himself. I'm not like you, Hijack. I can't just get into a helicopter and make it do what I want, and I'm supposed to fly today. And that means that I've got to read the damn manual. You're right. You're not like me, kid. I'm useful. For a moment, they stared at each other. Christopher clenched his hand so hard that his amber skin went bloodless at the knuckles. He wanted to hit David so badly. He could do it, too, and then heal him afterwards. Cyclops couldn't punish him then, not without evidence, right? But he wouldn't let David make him so low. He might not be useful, but he still had standards. His lowered lip trembled as he said, Blow, blow, man. David let out all of his breath out in a whoosh as he sat back down on his bed, running his hands through his hair. He looked ashamed. You're right. Damn, I'm sorry. I really shouldn't have said that. Especially after you pulled our beans out of the fire in limbo. People would have died if you hadn't been there, he said. Christopher shrugged. I'm just... David appeared to struggle for words. I don't like this. None of it. This place bites. The food is awful, there's no cell service, and there's nothing to do around here other than freeze in the snow and hunt caribou or some crap. But I can't go home. I'm stuck here, and it sucks, and there isn't a damn thing I can do about it. Me either. David finally turned down the music on his boombox, leaving Christopher's ears ringing in the sudden quiet. The two of them sat there for a long moment, awkwardness settling over them like a blanket. Just for something to do, Christopher made his bed neatly and tidied his things. The organization on his side of the room sat in stark contrast to the chaos on David's, but he wasn't about to complain about it. Not right now. As he pulled the blanket tight and tucked it in, David's voice split the silence once more. I would never drop a plane on you. I hope you know that, he said. When Christopher looked at David over his shoulder, they both grinned a little. That's very reassuring. Thanks, said Christopher. Don't mention it. You know, you like loud music. I like quiet. There are a lot of empty rooms left in this wing. There's no reason we should have to double up if this roommate thing isn't working. No hard feelings, Christopher offered. David took a long, hard look at him and finally nodded. Yeah, I agree. I get the whole idea behind it. Nothing wrong with trying to encourage us to make friends, but if it's causing more harm than good, it's probably better that we split up so we don't end up hating each other. 
I can move out since you've been here longer. Thanks. I think it would be for the best. I'll help you move your things later if you want. That would be cool. David held out his hand, and after a moment, Christopher shook it. You know, I had you pegged all wrong, said David. Yeah? When we first met, I took one look at the suit and the goggles, and I thought you were going to be some kind of weirdo. Turned out to be a pretty cool cat. Christopher glanced at the closet where his suit and tie hung at the ready. A set of steampunk goggles dangled from the hanger, the light glinting off the coppery metal. He'd gotten plenty of flack over the years for his style, and he'd become tired of explaining the reasoning behind it, so he just shrugged. You're pretty cool yourself. His teeth flashed in a grin he tried valiantly to suppress. Although I can't say much for your taste in music. Before he could even attempt to dodge, a pillow flew across the room, hitting him in the face. A short time later, Christopher walked down the hallway toward the showers. He wore his fluffy robe, a thin towel hung over his shoulders. A small plastic bag held his clothes, and a bottle of shampoo sat tucked in the crook of his elbow. Back at college, he'd had a full caddy of shower supplies, but here he didn't even have shower shoes. At least if he caught some kind of foot fungus, he could cure it himself. How sad was it that the best use for his mutant powers was to cure fungal infections caused by the dingy tile? At the end of the day, Hijack had been right. He could control cop cars and jets. And what could Christopher do? Keep your feet from peeling. He had to admit what he'd been slowly beginning to suspect. He didn't belong here. He would never be a true X-Man. The best he could hope for was to be the one who stayed behind in the jet or at the school, waiting to mop up after the real heroes did the difficult work. It was still an important task, but deep down inside, he wished he could have gotten a different mutation. Super speed, maybe, or the strength to punch through a wall. Something useful. Sighing, Christopher trudged into the boys' showers. He carefully hung his suit and goggles from the rusty hook outside the stall, brushing a bit of dust off one sleeve. From a young age, his mother had dressed him up no matter what the weather. It might be 90 degrees out and he'd be in shirt sleeves playing basketball. But she'd insisted that the dress clothes might save him one day. She'd said a black dreadlocked boy in a backwards baseball cap might be a hoodlum, but one in a suit could be anything else. He thought people would see what they wanted to. But he'd followed her instructions anyway, and now he felt naked in regular clothes. The suit and the goggles were all a part of his armor against the world, and he needed them more than ever now. He stepped into the shower, trying to ignore the unidentifiable stains in the corners. When he turned on the water, it came out ice cold, making him yelp. He just couldn't catch a break. He could only hope that the day would get better because otherwise he had no idea what he would do. He didn't want to drop out, but he wondered if he would have a choice. All right, that was awesome. That was our guest, Carrie Harris, reading a sample chapter from her new book from Marvel Comics, Liberty and Justice for All. Diving into some X-Men heroes is so cool, and uh, one that you got to pick up. It's available right now. So make sure you uh, hop into the show notes and click the links for more about Carrie and for that book. Don't forget to also click the links for our sponsor and podcast friends alike. 
and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out next week when I'm back with, well, I don't have my notes with me, so I can't say who it is. So I'm sorry if it's you, but rest assured, it's another amazing author, a new book, and a new sampled chapter. Take care, everybody. We'll see you again real, real soon. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.